0: Talk to you a little bit today about um, faith, but more specifically, how faith faith matters in the sense of like we're called to do something with faith. We're called to show action. You know, uh, faith is a big church word. We like faith. We like the word faith, and uh, I think of all of like the the big words in church, people like faith the most uh, because because it, it sounds heroic. Like uh, we've even, you know, kind of called our walk with God, like being a person of faith. That's a person of faith. Uh, they, they, they have faith. And we say that to each other, have faith. Um, but faith is so much more than just like a statement. It's so much more than just saying um, it, it. We've narrowed it down. If, if I could explain it, we've almost made it like an identity. So like I'm a person of faith. Like I, like I relate to that. I connect to that. But faith is actually action. Like faith should be seen. Are you with me? As a follower of God, you should be somebody who actually is putting faith on display. So we've done a really bad job when we say I'm a person of faith and then we just hang out in churches and hide in pews. Not that much of a person of faith if like your faith isn't on display and it's not an action and it's not making a difference and you're not building with your faith. Are you with me? And so I think it, it, it needs to be a little bit like undone the way that we say, oh, I'm a person of faith. I identify with faith. Like, like it's a checkbox. It's like, no, like watch me faith. Some of you, anyway, I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> but here's the truth about Christianity. When you signed up to follow God, when you gave your life, when you said, God, I surrender to you, will you transform my life? Will you save me? However you connected with the idea of salvation in the gospel, whether it was to to pull you from a place that you were at or whether it was to to follow him into a journey of all that he has new, whatever it was for you, whatever your connection point was, the truth is you signed up for a life of faith, a faith that requires action, a faith that requires the impossible. Uh, You've heard me quote Bill Johnson before when he says that God's expectation of you is to do the impossible. You say, oh, where are you getting that from? Well, Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, he said to his disciples, he said, look, even greater things will you do than I've done because I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. Well, if Jesus raised the dead and did the impossible and healed the sick, and he turned and looked at us and said, you'll do even greater then how many know Then the expectation for us is to walk in the miraculous. And so he says, look, you're called into when you sign up in this thing, when we're journeying God, you're on this journey of faith. And this faith is called to be an action. It's called to be on display. It's called to be something that's seen and lived out. You walk in this life of faith. We know that the scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. You won't have the success. You won't have the results. You won't have the things that you're called to have with God, unless you're a person who knows how to walk in faith. Uh, the problem is we love, and we've almost started building sermons in the church culture that begin to preach to you and teach you how to, how to live lives in God that are safe. Here's the blessed life, and, here's, and we use angels, we talk about angels as if it's some sort of like security system you put on your life. Well, actually, angels are in your life because you're supposed to be in warfare. That, that preach is good in Zealand, right? but we build all these safety scenarios but the truth is about walking with God it's impossible to please God it's impossible to be successful it, unless you're walking in this territory of faith well what is faith faith is believing in the impossible faith is believing when you cannot see amen, amen. that's why 2 Corinthians 5:7 says we walk by faith and not by sight we literally walk this thing out we're literally on this journey we're in action using our faith in times of things that we can't see how it's going to go or how it's going to work or how it's going to come together. But instead, we keep on walking. We keep on going with God. Amen. But we keep saying, oh, oh I have faith. Oh, I have faith. Oh, have faith, brother. Have faith. We need to start saying to each other in situations, not have faith, and it's important we have faith. Obviously, I understand it. But instead of have faith, have faith, we need to just start saying to each other, do faith. Come on, Do faith do faith do right that's what we need to start saying to each other not this have faith go sit down at your chair and get your study and have faith no let's go do some faith are you with me Uh, the scripture says uh, in Hebrews chapter 11 which this is like the hall of faith verses you begin to see uh, in scripture all of the the heroes of the faith Uh, but Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 is talking of Noah. And it says, by faith, Noah, so by faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. So think about this. By faith, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, he began to get to work. How do we know that Noah believed God? How do we know that he responded to the word and to the voice of God and the call of God? How do we know that he believed and, and, and it was the truth? Because he started building, he started building the ark, right? Yeah. Because of his faith and his trust. And when God spoke, he didn't have faith. You understand what I'm trying to say? It's important for us to have faith and knowing on the inside. I'm not saying that. But what happened is, it's scripture says, by faith, Noah, when he heard the word of God, let me paraphrase, By by faith, Noah, when he heard what God spoke to him, because he had holy fear for God and was set out to save his family, he began to get to work on some stuff. He didn't create a bumper sticker. He didn't post on Facebook that he's having faith. No, he said, this is what God said. And because I have faith, I'm going to go do something about it. I wish some Christians would hear from God and get an experience with God and get a prompt from God. But then I wish they would just get to work and build the ark. I feel a little bit like the roads. Just build the roads. I wish Christians would just build the arks, right? I guess we don't build roads. What do we fix the roads? That's what they're trying to say. <laughs> but it's so true in Christianity. It's a, everybody gets a goose bump, and everybody gets a word from the Lord, and everybody gets a new worship song that gives them a tickle, and everybody gets all of this. But nobody goes and gets a tool and a saw and a hammer and starts to build the ark. Are you with me? And all this stuff is good and all this stuff is necessary and all of this stuff is important that we, that God, because he loves us and he wants to build us. Are you right? But he also wants us to build the ark and save the people. We just got to build the ark. We use our faith. We get our words from God and we have faith and we hold to it. But then we also be a people who go and do some stuff. How do we know that Noah believed God? Because he began to build the ark. When God speaks to you, your life should change. Literally, when you get the goosebump, and when God speaks something to you and he prompts you and encourages you and he nudges you, you literally from that point there should not stay the same. You should begin to make adjustments in preparation toward the thing that God spoke to you. But instead, we journal it and we tell a friend about it and then we have faith. Are you with me? When God speaks to you, your life should Change. By faith, Noah began to prepare for what God was going to do in his life. And that's really what I'm going to try to talk about the next couple minutes is as God's leading us and speaking to us and encouraging us and putting us in situations where he's calling us into things. Those things should then get us to pivot into a place that we begin to prepare for what God wants to do in our lives. God's not going to give you what you're not ready to handle. And if you're not building, if you're not preparing, God's not going to be able to send it to you. We have to prepare ourselves. So many of you get, and me too, we get moved by something we see and compassion pours out of us. And we say, oh, look at that. And we pay attention to this over here. And then you hear of this and you get very stirred. It's not by accident that God's putting those things in your life and showing you those things. He's probably prompting you and encouraging you and nudging you in those things because he wants you to begin to prepare to be able to help in those things. Are you with me? I have so many people I sit down with who have ministry aspirations. They'll come to me and they will say, oh, pastor, God's called me. I'm gifted and I have this and He's said this over my life. And will you help me? And many of the times what they're actually saying is, will you do it all for me? Will you set it all up for me? And, uh, but they sit down and they say, oh, I got this and God wants to do this. And I, and I, and I love it. And I cheerlead them. I say, oh, it's going to be amazing. And God's going to, and you're going to see miracles and God's going to do incredible things. And so then a couple months later, I'm like, hey, I remember, you remember when we met and you said God wanted you to do that thing and start that thing? And they said, oh, well, you know, winter, just got to get through winter. After winter, you know, then I'm going to get that thing going. I, right now, I'm just, I'm using, I got my faith. I'm having faith. But, I, but after winter, oh, okay, cool. So, hey, winter's done. How's it going? How can we help you? How can, well, summer. Kids are getting out of school. Summer. Summer. And then guess what comes after summer? Yeah. Well. You guys are ahead of me, but well, summer. Oh, well, can't do it right now. Back to school. Got to get the kids back to school. Oh, how about now? Oh, the holidays, the holidays. Now it's the holiday. Oh, now we're, now we're back to winter. <laughs> now, what about now? Oh, it's leap year. can not do it in your leap year. <laughs> right? And so years, years go by and go by and we miss and we miss, we miss all these moments because God's speaking it and no one's willing to prepare. No one's ready to build the ark. We got to be people who build the ark. By faith, when God speaks it, we got to be a people who get into action on these things. This might be a little on the edge for me to say, but I don't know how much it scares the enemy when you get just a goosebump and a tickle and a thing. I mean, do we put much sweat on his brow when we turn on WJQ and you feel good about yourself in the morning and and then do nothing? Or could it be? Are you with me? That when we get this and we say, "Okay, hold on," now some things in my life have to change. I got to start to prepare. It's time to build the ark. How I many you know that starts to put a little bit of sweat on the brow of our enemies? What God has spoken, shared, prompted. We need to then ask ourselves, "What am I doing to prepare/slash build?" God is nudging me and prompting me and and the question we don't ask ourselves is is it possible can it happen will it happen is, no the question we need to ask ourselves is how can i start preparing and building what god is showing to me i thought about it like this if god calls you to go minister to mexico my calling and my assignment is for you to be a missionary to mexico does that mean you sell everything immediately and buy the first ticket to mexico No, maybe your first step in preparing is you just learn to start speaking Spanish, right? So many of us as Christians, we just have this this all out there, like this extremism of following God. Preparing matters. There's seasons of preparation. There's seasons where we say, okay, God, I know you've called me to this, but in the preparation season, I can take a Spanish speaking class. Are you with me? I thought about it like this, an apple tree, think about it like this, an apple tree grows from one seed, an apple tree grows from one seed, which produces almost 1000 apples, which of course are full of seeds. So an apple tree, you plant one seed grows an apple tree and it has the ability to produce to almost up to a thousand apples, which are full of seeds. Maybe that's why the scripture says the return is greater than the seed. The return is greater than the seed. The problem is as Christians is none of us are willing to plant the one seed. We all want to plant the tree. Are you with me? Oh, God wants to move in this. I want to plant the tree. And God's like, no, no, no. The return is greater than the seed. We got to plant the one seed. We got to get in seasons of our life where it's okay that you're preparing and you're planting the one seed. The problem is, it's not as glamorous. Think about it with your kids, right? You're called with raising kids. You're called to grow the tree. At the end of it all, I hope that you've then grown them to be a tree with a thousand apples and have all. But how many of you know you don't wake up and go like, all right, kids, you're the tree. You spend years and years and years planting a seed and a seed and a seed until eventually one day those seeds are all going to be trees in their life. Are you with me? And that's amazing. That's the way God has called you to do it. Grow, don't grow weary in that. Understand it. Seed. Are you with me today? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing in our walks with God. We all want to just, again, plant the tree. We want to do the miracle. We want to do the... But it's, it's okay for you in the season. By faith, the scripture said, he began to get to work. What did he do? Begin to plant one seed after another. One nail after another. I don't know what they used back then. Did they have nails? I don't know. I'm sure they had nails. Doug, do what he's saying? They had nails? I don't He doesn't know. Could they plug stuff in? He would know that. And he would give us a long explanation about the technology. there. But, uh, but what do you do? One, one seed, another seed, and then eventually the tree came. Are you with me? So the scripture says the return is greater than the seed. What do we do in our life from when God speaks to when we believe it's going to come to existence? One seed at a time. Well, what's a seed, Pastor? Come to classes. Get involved in community groups all those simple seeds, join a team, start serving in the church, start, uh, oh, my finances, I got, I got to get, okay, awesome, plant a seed in your resources, start being faithful, are you with me, in your resources, those seeds begin to grow the tree, I was at a concert this week with, uh, you guys know Joe Savali, he was here and spoke about love for a child, and so we were hanging out, we were talking before the show, and he had another friend with him, and, uh, I don't want to make any promises, but I'm going to say some things, uh, that are probably going to be true. (laughs) I just don't want people's hopes up because then they're going to ask me, Hey, so what about that thing? And I'm going to be like, well, it was spring and then it was summer. I got to do that whole thing. (laughs) So we're in conversation. Many of you who don't know, uh, uh, L- Love for a Child is an incredible camp that they put on. It's an incredible ministry all throughout the year, but they put in this amazing camp. Many of you heard of it a couple months ago. And so it's Joe uh, Savali's desire to uh, basically, you know, franchise is the wrong word, but spread that all throughout the state and who knows where God's going to take it. So uh, the connection between your generosity and uh, just our heart for that, um, he's, he's like, oh, we want to we want to do that on the west side. We we want, you know, basically the west side to be the first camp for that. So hundreds of kids in the foster care uh, system will get to have a camp. Sorry, I'm plowing through. Uh, and so he said, and so we're we're just hanging out and talking and getting ready for our show and dreaming together. And so we're kind of talking about what that looks like. So he's like, yeah, we want to do this thing. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about like how that could work, how that could work here on the west side. He still lives on the east side. Um, obviously, we don't have like him here on staff. So how would we put that together? And I said, you know, what's interesting, Joe, is I have no experience in the foster care uh, world. I don't. I, I wasn't raised in it. I don't have any connection to it. I never like did ministry in it. But for some reason, our church all of a sudden, does. We never sought out foster care ministry. It's not like we sat down and said, hey, this is a vein that we really want to pursue. The Lord just started sending opportunities for us as a church to connect with the foster care ministry, like world in this side. So you have hope packages, you have grant me hope, and then you have Lakeshore Lifeworks, which we participated with all three of those in the first couple years of our church. We have great relationship with them. So we're going to talk about how would this work? How can we do this thing? How can we And I'm like, well, amazingly, somehow we have a very strong network of foster care system. How how did that happen? How did that happen? How did God say someday, excuse me, we want to do a camp, but we don't have all that we need exactly perfect right now to be able to run that. We don't can't hire somebody. Oh, but God already began to grow the tree. Are you hearing what I'm saying? how did that happen? It happened because as a church, when God put hope packages in our life and Elena ran with it, or God put grant me hope in our life and Sam ran with it and all these things, what did we begin to do as God put things in our life and they motivated us and they nudged us and they encouraged us. We just didn't say, Oh, those things are cute. We said, Oh, we we better start to prepare. How can we prepare? How can we prepare? And look what it's done. All those seeds begin to what? Grow a tree. So now we're going to have an opportunity. Are you with me? It's never Poof, here's the tree. It's always the seed because the return is greater than the seed, but we got to be the people who are willing to, by faith, plant the seed. Are you with me? So we just have to stay after it. The problem is we get so weird in church. I love passion for Jesus. I love uh, atmospheres uh, where we're going after God. I can't be in a stagnant, stuck, spiritual atmosphere where you're just going through the motions. How many know what I'm talking about? I want to feel the presence of God in a passionate, active way. Uh, But there's also times where we can get too zany for our own progress. Let me explain it. You can get so much passion for Jesus and have no intentionality that it doesn't do any good. Are you with me? I see so many church movements, they get so loud and they get so hyper and they get so excited, but there's no intentionality to what they're actually doing that they're not making a difference, right? You can have so much zeal with no strategy. What am I talking about when I say strategy? I'm talking about building the ark, all this zeal, all this passion, but no willingness to say, all right, we got to cut this and measure that and put this here. Are you with me? So faith is great. You can be full of faith and take the mountain and have all this passion. But at the same time, we have to say, okay, what is the season to plant the seed and build the ark? And are you with me? And I love what Pastor Bill Johnson says. He says, we have too many Yahtzee Christians, which that in itself makes sense, right? But when he explains it, he talks about it like this. In the game of Yahtzee, Yahtzee is the hardest to get. And I love Yahtzee. That's a great game. Some of you playing all your weird settlers games and like, will you trade a bale of hay for a thing. (laughs) Get back to Yahtzee. Okay. But here's your thing. Here's the deal. Yahtzee is the home run. That's actually the grand slam if you can get a Yahtzee. But across the board, there's easier things to get than that. So I don't know if it starts with two of a kind or three of a kind or whatever, but there's some more easy to get. But you got to remember, you got to fill the card. And if you don't get a Yahtzee and you're running out of things, you have to give yourself a zero. And so Bill Johnson explains that there's so many Christians running around just yelling, revival, Yahtzee. That's all they're going for. And it's it's okay as a Christian, and I'm not against any of that stuff. Passion, zeal, you know I'm all for that. But I'm just saying it's also okay to say, hold on. There's a true work of discipleship and mentor. There's a whole thing we got to fill out here. And Yahtzee is a thing that we go after. But at the same time, there's some other things that we got to get on the board. And the getting on the board is, hey, we got to prepare. We got to build the ark. We got to get ourselves ready for Yahtzee. Are you with me? And so I'm all for that. But we can't run around saying, revival, God fill stadiums, right? When there's kids who need our help filling stadiums is amazing. And the outpourings of God are great. That's Yahtzee. But at the same time, we got to get in and we got to just do the the total work on the card. Amen. Second Kings chapter four, verse one. It's the story of the widow woman says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slave. So if someone died and you had an O, they could come take your boys. Verse two, Elisha replied to her and said, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Didn't ask her about if she has faith. Your servant has nothing there at all. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except for a small, small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars Don't ask for just a few. I love that this actually calls her into community. So God wants to do a thing for you, but it's important for us to remember that it takes people in our lives to help us to accomplish. Are you with me? He gives her a good warning here. Hey, don't just ask for a few. Be a good idea if you believe God for abundance. Somebody say amen. amen. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your son's. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So as you fill them up, just move them to the side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, pay your debts, You and your sons can live on what is left. A couple really cool things here in this. If you didn't pick it up in the story, remember she only had a little bit of oil. But she went and gathered jars, so a miracle happened as she poured out her oil. As she was willing to give out of her lack or out of her what was running out. How many know what I'm trying to say here? God, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I have the... She just kept pouring. She just kept pouring and God was doing a miracle. Because anytime you empty yourself for his cause, you're never going to lack. Are you with me? But what happened here is the prophet gave the word of the Lord that said, Hey, here's what God wants to do in your life. And she didn't just go home and have faith. What did she do? She went and did what was instructed. She got to work and the miracle came to play. She began to prepare, right? Well, here's what's interesting. And maybe you could make this argument. If you notice that the oil ran out at the last jar, that interesting that it ran out at the last jar Meaning God poured out for as much as she was willing to prepare for. Isn't that interesting? It ran out when she put the lid on it. When she said this was as much as we're willing to handle and do and prepare for. She responded in great faith. She followed God. She went after it. But it came to an end at the point when she lacked in her preparation, if you will. Is it possible to interpret this as God pours out? to the level of our preparation. Is it possible for us to interpret this scripture as God pours out to the level of our preparation? How much are you preparing? How many vases, how many jars are you putting out? In your kids' lives, in your church life, in your financial life, how many jars are you putting out for God to fill? Or are we coming into places of our lives where we're saying, God, these jars are so full of other stuff. You know, spring, summer, winter, all this jars. You can have this much room. And God pours out just that much in your life. God, where are you? I wish I had more of you. And he's like, I wish I had more of you. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. I'll close with this. Luke chapter 5 verse 4 is another opportunity for people to prepare. Luke chapter 5 verse 4 it says this speaking of Jesus. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Many of you church people know the difference here. Jesus said nets, plural, and they said they'll let down the net single. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners on the other boat to come over and help them. And when they came, they filled both boats so that they began to sink, so full that they began to sink. So when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats back to land, they forsook all they knew and they followed him. Here's what's interesting about this story. All those guys mentioned, James, John, all these kind of, the circle here, you have to remember, you know, you ever watch the show Deadliest Catch and everybody knows everything about the water. They know their zones. They know their territories. That's what's going on here. So when they toiled and they toiled and they caught nothing, they were professionals. They, nobody could tell them differently about the zone that they fished. That was their thing. So when Jesus was like, go back out, they're like, oh, this guy, he doesn't know. So they gave Jesus like a, a half net job, right? He said nets. I'm being nice here. They did a half net job. He called them to do both nets, and they said, oh, Jesus, okay, we, this guy, we better give him, we bet it's Jesus, so I guess we better do this for him. And then they go out, and the harvest was so great, it became a problem in their life, didn't it? Why? Because they didn't properly prepare. They didn't properly follow the word of the Lord. They said, oh, I know better. Oh, I can do it my way. I can do it. And they could have missed an incredible opportunity. What am I trying to say in all this? What I'm trying to say to you is this. You may be saying back to Jesus, you may be, Jesus, I've toiled and I've toiled and I've tried and I've tried and I've planted seed and I've planted seed, but I don't see anything. But in one moment, God can change everything. In one moment, you say, oh, I've been believing. I've been believing, I've been praying, I've been for my finances, for the lost, I've been praying for this thing, I've been praying for that thing, I've been praying for in one moment, I don't care how much you've toiled and you've toiled and you've toiled, do the preparation that God calls you to do and you'll see the harvest. So whatever it is for you, in one moment God can change it if you're willing to just stay at the preparation, just stay after the action steps of what God's called you to, amen? Amen. got to be a people who just don't have faith. We do faith. We live it out. We plant a seed and we see the tree grow. We don't just wait around for the whole tree.